episode 815. The Green Bay Packers were back in action on Tuesday for the latest round of organized team activities. Helping us react to what happened on the football field is Brian Funfera of the Pack to the Future podcast. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking Packers OTAs. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. We're joined by Brian Fonfara of the Pack to the Future podcast. Brian, how are you this morning? I am absolutely fantastic, Brian. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Brian is our first guest in a series of interviews featuring the Pack to the Future podcasters. And to start things off here, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and the Pack to the Future podcast, Brian? Absolutely. Um, I'm a Wisconsin native, now living in Denver, Colorado, so this is extra bright and early for me, but uh, (laughs) happy to be here. Um, Living here with my beautiful wife, Beth. Um, Been a Packer fan my whole life. Uh, The Pack to the Future podcast started in October of 2015 with Jordan Peck and Dusty Evely, uh, who you'll have the pleasure of talking to soon. October of 2016, I was talking to Jeremy Vanderlinden of Town Sound Off, and he helped me, helped convince me to start a website for Pack to the Future. So it's grown to, I mean, all all included, we're a crew of about 21 now. So a lot of uh, aggressive expansion over the last year. Very cool. Well, it's a cool website and a cool network that you've grown there and wish you the best of luck with that. We're going to talk some Packers OTAs here with Brian and and to talk Packers here. uh, Devon House's hitchhiking story from Minneapolis to Green Bay went viral as it played out on social media late Monday night into Tuesday morning. Brian, would you have given House a ride to Green Bay if you lived in Minneapolis? (laughs) No question. I I don't even have a whole lot to add to this because there's just no question. To spend four or five hours in an intimate setting like that, just with a Green Bay Packer, for, for a boy born and raised in Wisconsin, that would be a dream come true. Uh, and I bet that those two will stay in some degree of contact throughout the season too, so that makes it extra cool. It's a cool story, and I'll have more commentary Mm -hmm. on that story later in the show. Uh, But we'll discuss a few other topics in the secondary here, Brian. Demarius Randall reportedly took some rare repetitions at the perimeter cornerback position on Tuesday, having primarily focused in the slot this offseason. My question to you, where do you think he fits best? Uh, To me, Demarius Randall's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Um, I think there are matchups where we'll see him in the perimeter, and that will make a lot of sense. But overall, I, I think he's just so perfectly made to take over that Micah Hyde role. A lot of slot cornerback, a lot of safety. Just He can play up at the line of scrimmage, and he's even bigger and taller and faster than Micah Hyde. So I think he could slot right into that role and take it to a whole new level. 
I certainly hope that's the case. He is very athletic. He just has mm-hmm. to put things all together and stay healthy on top of that. Um, Dimitri right. Goodson, Brian, told the media about a potential return from a torn ACL around the middle of training camp. Uh, he said that on Tuesday. How much do you think that puts him behind the proverbial eight ball in his attempt to make a roster spot this season? I, I unfortunately for him think it might be his death now. Um, the way I see it, he lasted so long in Green Bay for two reasons. One was a lack of depth at the cornerback position. Now we drafted King, we signed House. Uh, there's Randall Rollins and Gunter who are all better at playing cornerback than he is. And the other reason was his special teams ability. Um, but, man, for five cornerbacks that are that much better, I don't know if you can keep a guy like this um, who's already going to be, what, 27 years old, something like that. We drafted an old guy. Um, honestly, if you're looking for a, a sixth cornerback who's going to make the roster based solely on special teams play, I'd keep an eye on Lindsey Pipkins. Um, far more athletic. He's younger. He's turned some heads in camp already. Um, I was just, to be perfectly honest, never a big fan of Goodson. Um, wasn't a fan of the pick. It didn't make sense to me at the time. I didn't really like that he made the roster over Jamal Rowe, who I know hasn't really done anything in his career, but he was definitely better in that training camp in, in uh, 2014. But uh, I, I don't know. I think we can do better than Dimitri Goodson, and I don't think he's going to make the team this year. He certainly has his work cut out for him when he returns. Um, elsewhere in the secondary, Kevin King missed practice again on Tuesday because of the NFL rule preventing players from practicing until their academic year is over, and it appears he'll miss the entirety of OTAs, although could be back for training camp next week. So, Brian, how much has this hurt him? Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, maybe I'd be worried if he was just kind of sitting there twiddling his thumbs, but you know, he's spending a lot of time learning the playbook. You know, he's spending a lot of time watching and observing guys like Devon house. And, you know, I, I just don't think he was going to be the number one receiver or even the number or sorry, cornerback or even the number two coming out of camp. Um, the first three weeks of the season, the Packers faced the Seahawks with Doug Baldwin the Falcons with Julio Jones and the Bengals with A.J. Green. And I think it would just be putting him in a position to fail to start against those three in his first three weeks as a professional football player. Just doubtful that any good could really come out of a situation like that. So at best, he's going to be the number two receiver to start this or cornerback, sorry, to start the season, uh, more likely the number three. It's I, I totally can see what you're saying, but just from the standpoint, don't you think maybe his height would match up well against those kind of guys? It would, absolutely. But, again, it's so early in the season, and if if we were talking weeks seven, eight, nine, I'd be lining him up against those three. But, man, I I would really struggle to, to make a rookie line up against those three it would be a chance for him to really prove himself right off the bat. But if things don't go well, it could really destroy his confidence as a rookie and almost destroy his entire rookie season, first half of his rookie season, because he'd have to recover from something like that. You know, if he comes out and, you know, makes a few plays against one of those three and takes the number one job, that's one thing. But, man, at least starting week one, I would have Devon House lining up against 
Doug Baldwin for sure. Be fascinating to see how it plays out. Um, Brian, Mike McCarthy on Tuesday discussed the importance of versatility at the safety position, a reference to Kentrell Bryce seeing a lot of action uh, during OTAs on the first string defense next to HaHa Clint Dix as Morgan Burnett actually gets a lot of time at linebacker, inside linebacker. Uh, do you anticipate we'll see a lot of Bryce in 2017? Yeah, and it's not just Morgan Burnett, is it? It's Josh Jones that's going to get some time at linebacker true, as well, true. maybe even a little bit of time in the slot. So while Kentrell Bryce is our fourth best safety, that's you know that's really not saying a lot. We have a really good group of safeties. Um, and considering where this position was four years ago, it's pretty impressive how good this safety group is. But, yeah, I'd expect to see quite a bit of Bryce, mostly in sub-packages and short yardage situations chances for him to just lay the wood uh, the way he can. You know, we saw him do that kind of in zone coverage, covering the middle of the field last year, just laying the smack down on whatever receiver was unfortunate enough to have caught the ball in his area. Uh, what we need to see from him in those situations as he enters year two, starting to make more plays on the ball instead of making plays on the player, um, just getting there that second earlier. If he can do that, we've got a serious playmaker on our squad yeah it'll be fun to see how him and jones progress uh seeing as they're known for being so aggressive uh mm-hmm. be fun to track their development uh looking at the offensive side of the football here brian aaron Rodgers addressed his looming contract extension on tuesday although he was pretty vague about it when do you think Rodgers and the packers eventually get deal done oh man kind of feels like we've been talking about this Rogers extension for years. My goodness. Um, let's see. My only concern on this matter, by the way, is, is the fact that the longer we race, the way the richer the contract is probably going to be considering what some other lesser quarterbacks are getting paid. Um, it's hard to say when it'll get done. And given how the Packers prefer to operate, I'd be surprised to see it happen during a season. Um, and I don't think that Ted or Aaron, they don't seem to be in any kind of serious rush. So my guess would be early next off season, but doing it in the next you know, months, weeks, whatever it is, makes a whole lot of sense given how much cap space we have available. We'd have a really good opportunity to front load it, uh, but I just don't see it getting done particularly soon. I just see no urgency. You know, we got a couple of years left, so I would say early next off season is my guess. Good a guess as any. Um, the Packers released Jacob Flores on Tuesday, Brian, the the only true center on the roster except for Corey Lindsley, who's injured right now. What do you think that says about Don Barclay and the rookie Kofi Amichia? Well, I'm not sure how much it says about Kofi Amichia. Uh, he's got the size and athleticism to play center. I don't think anyone doubts that, but he played left tackle in college. So I don't think anyone can legitimately expect him to jump into a backup role at center in the NFL year one. As for Barclay, I don't understand this, but it says that the coaching staff has an immense amount of faith in him. Um, Again, I I just don't get it. Whatever they see from him in practices or the locker room just doesn't seem to show up on the field. I hate being so critical of the guy, but – it was a mistake a couple seasons ago when we went into a season with him as the only backup at tackle. 
I think it'll be a very similar mistake, maybe not as urgent a mistake, but a similar mistake to go into this season with him as the only backup at center. Uh, I would trust Lindsay if, or I would trust uh, Barclay if Lindsay went out for a drive or a game or anything like that. But if he's missing two, three, four weeks, like he missed the whole start of last season, I don't feel comfortable seeing Barclay getting that much time at center. Uh, finally here, uh, last question before I let you go. To take Flores' spot on the roster, the Packers signed rookie Robert Leff on Tuesday. Uh, I don't expect you much to know much about Leff, Brian, but uh, how difficult will it be for him to earn a roster spot with just so much competition along the offensive line in general? Yeah, well, you're right. I don't know a whole lot about him, but uh, checked out a few of the scouting reports after we signed him. Um, he's another guy who played tackle in college, but protect, projects as an interior lineman in the NFL. Um, from what I've read, he lacks some basic strengths to play on the offensive line in the NFL. Um, didn't play in a pro-style offense, so you know, in, in college he may have looked even better than he really is. Um, there is opportunity in the middle of that offensive line, given you know the lack of established depth that's there. But man, with those, with the lack of strength, with the lack of knowledge of a pro-style offense, I'm not sure that he really has much of a chance. Um, I'd keep an eye out for Kyle Murphy and Lucas Patrick to get backup guard positions. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's too much, you know, for an undrafted rookie to, to step right in when there are, you know, I mentioned those two, and then there's also Amicia. Um, yeah, I think he has a chance because the opportunity is there at the interior backup spots, but there's just too much to overcome, uh, and he's getting a late start to it. Yeah, it'd be extremely difficult. Perhaps a practice squad candidate we will see. But, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk some Packers this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Keep up the good work at the Pack to the Future podcast and excited to talk to your cohorts uh, in the coming weeks here. All right. Thank you very much, Brian. Take care. Brian Fonfera of the Pack to the Future contest podcast. Joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show in our Packers news segment. Sorry, no audio clips today. Um, small technical error. But um, as alluded to already, and probably you've read about by now, Cornerback Devon House was driven from Minneapolis to Green Bay by a pair of Packers fans, so he'd be back in town by the time practice started on Tuesday. It all happened when House's flight was delayed from Austin, Texas, causing him to miss a connecting flight. And while he was prepared to rent a car and drive himself, he couldn't find a rental company willing to do a one-way rental. So House took to social media via Twitter and succeeded in finding two Packers fans from the area to drive him to Green Bay. Um, Brothers Mike and Chad Johnson have gotten a ton of attention for their good Samaritan deed. They're actually Green Bay Packers shareholders. And in less than 24 hours, they've had articles written about them. They've been interviewed on the radio and they've appeared on SportsCenter. Uh, it all made for a good story, 
And the purpose of relaying this story in the background here on the podcast is to highlight Devon House's dedication. Here's a veteran that returned to Green Bay this offseason on a one-year deal for a not-huge contract of just north of uh, $2 million, a little less than $3 million, if I remember $2.85 million off the top of my head. Anyway, as we've mentioned here before, these practices during the offseason, during OTAs, are technically voluntary. If House had missed a practice, there's nothing the Packers could do about it. They couldn't fine him or anything like that. They could during the season, but not now. Um, the one, uh, you know, one missed practice wouldn't have been the end of the world for a player entering now his seventh season in the NFL. But compare that to second-year wide receiver Trevor Davis, who reportedly missed practice on Tuesday due to apparent travel issues. This according to Michael Cohen of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Trevor Davis could learn a lesson from Devon House, who showed his dedication to get back to Green Bay for an off-season practice. Admittedly, I don't know the details of uh, Davis's alleged travel issues. Maybe he had to travel back home for a funeral, or, or maybe his connecting flight wasn't within driving distance like House's was. But if if that's the case, I, I apologize to Davis, but if you're a player for the Green Bay Packers, particularly someone like Davis, who's not guaranteed of a roster spot, maybe you don't make travel plans that cut it so close. Or maybe you don't leave Green Bay at all over the weekend. We saw many of his teammates participate in Jordy Nelson's charity softball game over the weekend choosing to stay in Wisconsin. And and heck, once Memorial Day hits, it's nearly as pleasant in Wisconsin as anywhere else in the country anyway. So, you know, the that, you know, the the excuse that oh, going to go to nice weather, not really holding up so much at this time of year at least. Understandably, uh winter is a uh, difficult in Wisconsin. But so so take note, Trevor Davis, your absence from practice isn't the end of the world, but it has been noted. There weren't a whole lot of other new developments at practice. The same players missed practice due to injury that have been missing practice, some after undergoing surgery. They include center Corey Lindsley, cornerbacks Dimitri Goodson, Herb Waters, and David Rivers, along with linebacker Vince Beagle. The one new injury, again, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, was to rookie defensive lineman Isa Lunsford, who dropped out with an apparent leg injury. There was no word on the severity, so we'll just have to wait until next week at minicamp to see if he returns to practice or not. But um, the Packers made a pair of transactions on Tuesday, which we you know briefly talked about with Brian Funfera of uh, uh, earlier in the show, the Packers releasing center Jacob Flores, who spent time with them last season um, as a rookie, was on the practice squad, um, and it, it kind of surprised me a little bit that the Packers even made this move, seeing as they put a year into developing him, but. 
uh, they signed Robert Leff, who was originally signed. He's a rookie. He was originally signed by the Atlanta Falcons after going undrafted, but had already been released. So he only spent a few weeks on their roster. Uh, in fact, he just cleared waivers on Monday, and then the Packers signed him on Tuesday. Leff didn't become a full-time starter during his college days until his senior year at Auburn. Um, in his junior year, he started two games, including time at left tackle. Then in his senior season, he started all 13 games for Auburn at right tackle. So he played you know, in one of the best conferences in America in the SEC. He was voted second team all-conference and was actually a late invite to the Senior Bowl. What's intriguing about Leff is that despite his experience at tackle in college, and Brian Funfera alluded to this too, uh, he was listed by the Falcons as a guard. Uh, so he looks to be the type of player that can play all across the offensive line, both at tackle and on the interior of the line. Versatility can be a key trait. Obviously, you have to be able to cut it, but as long as left can do that, versatility might be his calling card. That's what's kept Don Barclay around for five years now, and it's what could keep left around uh, as long as he develops. Uh, there, he's got a long way to go, obviously, you know, he's already missed, you know, several weeks of the offseason program. So he's got, you know, catch up time to play there. Uh, he didn't play in a pro style offense in college. So he's got a lot to learn there. Hopefully he absorbs it all this week and next week before the offseason program ends. So he's ready to go and compete when training camps begins and the pads go on. Um, certainly he's not going to be expected to, you know, play with the starters, which is good. Uh, but he's going to have a, a, a whole boatload of responsibility uh, to even learn the Packers offense and, and just be a quality depth player and, um, you know, practice squad kind of guy, uh, you, you know, on the for the opposition, uh, you know, trying to run the opponent's plays and things like that. He's going to going to have a lot on his shoulders in just trying to do that. But best of luck to him, and welcome to Green Bay, Robert Leff. And um, that brings us to the final, the next and final segment of the show, the day ahead. A small uh, correction from our last episode of Railbird Central. The NFL actually published that the Packers will hold OTAs this week from May 5th through May 8th. Uh, and that's what I cited, uh, although that's apparently wrong. According to the Packers and their official website, they're holding OTAs from May 6th through May 9th. So practice continues on Wednesday for the Packers, although it's another practice held behind closed doors inside the Don Hudson Center as they already held their one and only practice open to the public this week. They'll be back again next week, once again, open to the public uh, at Clark Hinkle Field as, you know, mini camp opens next week. So this this week would be the conclusion of OTAs. Um, but Wednesday evening, the team holds their annual Packers Give Back Celebrity Bowling event. 
players, coaches, and even alumni from the team will all take part in an event that takes place at nearby Ashwaubenon Bowling Alley from 6 to 9 o'clock p.m. local time tonight. Proceeds go to benefit the Northeast Wisconsin Technical College Promise Scholarship Program that helps uh, makes going to college a reality for low-income high school seniors. So a very cool uh, initiative here that the Packers are supporting. Last I saw, registration was still open on the Packers' official website. Um, it's not cheap. Obviously, this is a thing for charity. But it does look to be packed uh, a packed night with bowling, food, silent auctions, and interactions with Packers players. Uh, so that's a cool event. Uh, if you happen to be interested in that and, and live in the greater Green Bay area and could po- po- possibly make it, um, so that's going on tonight in the world of the Green Bay Packers, and that's what's on the rest of the horizon as the Packers wrap up OTAs this week uh, with the mandatory minicamp then on deck for next week. And uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Already have our next episode guest lined up. It'll be once again Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack Log joining us for his monthly engagement the second Friday of every month here on the show. Um, and happy to talk to him on Friday. Uh, then we continue our series talking to the Pack to the Future podcasters uh, with uh, Jordan Peck joining us next on Monday morning's episode. So there you go. Um, we'll see you, folks. Thanks to Brian Fonfaro once again for being our guest this morning on Railbird Central, which airs typically every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Have a good Wednesday. We'll talk to you two days from now. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. I leave you today with a song called Udamon by the Steve Kimmock Band on Psy Fidelity Records. See you, everyone. Go Pack Go.